Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to a new season of the Burning Question series, powered by Fantasy Football Scout. In this series, Harry and I, Sonaldo, talk about the key hot topics for the week regarding all things FPL. Before I proceed, I would like to address the elephant in the room. Hopefully my, my volume is working great. Sorry for the little bit of a late delay. Um, I'd like to address the elephant in the room, which is where is Pross? And Pross is in the chat right now. Great to see you, brother. Um, for any new viewers, Burning Questions began two seasons ago with Pross and I as co-hosts. And throughout the birth till now, we've you know received so much love from you guys. And it's been an amazing journey to be on. This year, unfortunately, Pross is a little bit difficult with time and joining the FPL Wire team. Uh, also, we'll be doing a deadline stream with or deadline dilemma stream with Flapjack on Thursday. So do check it out. I will definitely be asking Pross to come on here and there. He did not get fired, um, but uh, we, we will have him for numerous uh, episodes throughout the season. So very excited for the new start. I do have a amazing co-host to join me this year. So with that being said, I'd like to welcome a superstar in the FPL community known as FPL Harry, who operates his own successful YouTube channel and officially fourth in the world in the past three seasons in the entire world. Let me repeat, fourth in the past three seasons in the entire world with ranks of 3,816th, 1,345, and 510 last season. Absolutely mind-boggling numbers, an absolute FPL baller and hopefully legend in the making. So Harry, 
It is a pleasure to have you on this season. How are you doing, my friend? I'm really good. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, yeah, I've, I've watched the the Burning Question show uh, for the past couple of years, and you've often asked uh, to have me on and with work and stuff. It's always been difficult being being uh, during the day, but we are making it work this season. I'm excited to be here. It's just nice to have a sort of session, particularly at the uh, beginning of the week, which is when we're going to be doing this, to chat about where our teams are at, chat about some of those hot topics that there are going to be in FPL at the moment. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, is this your first official sort of pod that you're joining uh, as a regular co-host? Yeah, it is. So, I mean, I do streams where I, I chat to myself for a, a couple of hours every Saturday morning. So it's nice to be chatting to someone else rather than chatting to a screen. So, yeah, no, but the first proper one, I mean, I normally do like short form stuff. We did the yeah. uh, Harry series on, on Scout last year as well. Um, but yeah, this should be good this year. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. But I think first thing I want to address is that crazy filthy rank of yours. Obviously, you've been on a sort of hot streak. Um, I mean, first of all, like, how, how have you done it done? How have you gotten it done? And do you feel the pressure to continue these, you know, high ranks that, uh, you know, season in, season out, it's very difficult to achieve? I mean, how I've done it is, is a difficult question. It is something that, uh, sorry, just seen in the chat, someone saying I haven't done a pod before. I was a part-time co-host for uh, Who Got the Assist, of course, but I didn't get offered the, well, didn't do the full-time gig there. Uh, yeah, how did I do it? How did I do it? It's a difficult one. I, I tend to be, and people who will watch this throughout the year will notice I'm not the most maverick of FPL managers. Now, people might might call me boring. They might say that I'm just template, etc. I like to know that the players that I'm going to pick are not going to throw me at, you know, put me at a big risk of a big rank loss. And I'm, I play my FPL a lot more, you know, safely and not wanting to have a big risk to my rank than I do to, you know, trying to throw myself up the rankings. Now, there will be times throughout the season where I look at specific pockets like I did with, you know, Dom Solanke last year. I got mm. quite lucky. Mares over De Bruyne last year. There are times that that, that is the case, but I probably pick and choose them a little bit more than I think maybe maybe most people do. And, you know, there's there's a heap of luck that comes with that comes with it, particularly when you do it over a couple of seasons. So yeah, like Solanke scoring fifteen points against Spurs last year. Is one thing I'll I'll always talk about from last season is yeah, just that the chances of you knowing that that's gonna happen. Rashford was injured, so I had to play him. I didn't really have the choice. So and then it comes out like that. And it's probably, you know, the difference to me finishing, you know, one and a half K, which would still be great, but to, to 500 in the world. So there's a little bit of luck in there as well. Yeah, I remember the Solanke, um, you know, kind of luck that you had last season. But regardless, I, I do feel like you're sort of a template following manager, if you don't mind me asking. Or would you say you're, you know, a little bit of a mix of aggressiveness as well as, you know, playing EO as well? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm like a following manager like i like to see you know that there's a pick that is going to work out but i won't necessarily wait for other people to make it first before i then go and make it like a week or two later mm -hmm. i do like to try and predict where the template's going to go like in, in a couple of weeks in three weeks time where are people going to be making their transfers and maybe try and get on them you know a week or two before that or make sure the week that i think that the swing is going to begin that i'm going and, and making a transfer that week yeah there were a couple of times, like I look at Almiron last season, where I actually didn't own him at all last season. And mm. I'd say that's, you know, I could have followed, particularly going into like November time, I could have followed and, and gone with him. But I was just certain that at some point his spell of goals was going to dry up. So, yeah, I, I, I try not to follow, but 
yeah, I try to predict where the sort of masses are going to go in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, those are those those are the risks you have to take. I remember the Almiron thing. If you hopped off at the right time, you, you know, you, you got his points and moved off him as well. You know, regarding yeah. this season, uh, you know, game's been launched for probably about a month now. We've got two weeks uh, till the actual start of the season. How's the tinkering process going along? How do you feel about your team? I think a lot of picks are self, you know, self-picking and self-explanatory, but I do still see some edges here and there, but how, how's your draft coming along? Yeah, it's difficult. There's still like preseasons coming into my thinking a little bit, particularly around Chelsea, who we're going to talk about today. The, the big thing for me is Liverpool and trying to decide what I'm going to do with them, how I'm going to fit them in. And if I'm not going to fit them in, am I going to be okay going into that Bournemouth at home fixture in game week two without any of them? So that's probably where I'm I'm looking at. I know that the template does look really strong at the moment and there's a lot of drafts being put out that have almost the same team. But probably compared to last season, there's a lot more picks in the game than I think there were last year that... There might not be ones that we're picking now, but I think two or three weeks in, there are a lot of players that could come to the fore that we're looking to use our transfers on. Whereas last year, we saw first five or six weeks, people were burning transfers. There were that little um, amount of decisions to be made. So even if the template's strong for game week one, I don't think this season it will be long before things start to shift. Very interesting. I mean, two seasons ago, I remember the template, you know, really got off to a hot start. We all like mm. had a great start. And then last season, the template five at the back didn't work out. So it's very interesting how the start of the season will go. I, I do think those two examples are a good example of why we should be able to adjust and have very flexible teams from the get go. Even though I like the likes of Sun, I want him from, you know, game with going against Brentford and United. I do think that, uh, you know, for example, he's not the right pick to go from. So I am trying to keep it as neutral as possible and not let my biases sort of dictate who I end up picking. I know Harry has had an amazing rank, guys, but uh, I'd like to kind of share my three-year rank as well, 919th in the world, so a little bit proud of that. Um, I hope to continue it along. I would, I don't want to share my previous because I had like a 6 million rank one time. Uh, the reason is I played draft that year and I didn't play uh, the you know official classic game, so I, I wish I could erase that, but... Yeah, my three-year rank is not too bad, guys. So, uh, you know, far away from Harry's fourth rank, but uh, we go chasing every year. So excited for the new season, excited to get things going. For today's agenda, guys, we're going to talk about sort of deep dive into Man City, Chelsea, United, Liverpool, and then get to our team reveals. Next week, we do have another episode where we're, where we're going to deep dive into Brighton, Spurs uh, and a couple more teams, as well as some fringe teams, fringe players that we need to discuss, gather more data over the week. And I, I do believe we'll have a very firm sort of team reveal by next week. I, I do think my team this week is still going to shift quite a bit to what it might be next week. So uh, that is so, sort of what's on the plan today. I know we're not gonna talk about everything, but when we get to the team reveals, I'm sure we'll touch on the players we decide to select. So with that being said, shall we, dive into Man City. By the way, this year we are trying to keep it under an hour if possible. Um, I know Pras and I last year, or previous year as well, we always said 45 minutes to an hour and we, we went on to do like hour 40 minute pods here and there. So that's the plan with me and Harry, but Harry, it's not gonna be like your 10 minute video. It's gonna be way longer than that, so. Uh, yeah, we, we just know we just know that there's so much content that people are consuming, both on the Scout channel and elsewhere, that it is difficult for everyone to find time during their busy weeks to fit everything in. So we'll do our best to keep ourselves within that hour mark. Yeah, for sure. 
I think the for Man City, what are what are some of the key questions that you have in mind, Harry? Yeah, so I've actually in my latest draft got three Man City players, and a lot of it comes down to to minutes and what they're gonna um, and how much we're gonna play. They're gonna play. One thing that you'll notice, um, Andy and I, not mentioned too much about the season. We're gonna try and shy away from just saying, oh, it depends how many minutes they play, because that's not particularly useful to anyone we're not necessarily going to try and predict them but we're going to go off the grounds that if we get good minutes what kind of asset they're going to be i have john stones phil foden and of course erling Haaland in my draft at the moment defensively i'm i'm quite interested in some of the 4.0s i'm building a lot of drafts where i've either got no money in the bank and i do like to start the season with half a million but you know ake picked up an injury how consistently is a kanji going to play plus the other thing is you know you've got john stones who is probably the most attacking, but Ruben Diaz looks like he's going to be the one that plays every week. And then actually, Jao Cancelo is back at Manchester City this season, and it doesn't look like he's going to go anywhere. He's had decent preseason minutes as well. So at six million, should we actually be considering him, given how many, you know, how good an asset he's been in previous seasons, and actually how will that impact John Stones? Because at the moment, John Stones is kind of playing that Jao Cancelo role at the moment, and is that going to impact him going forward as well? Going forward, I don't see myself picking anyone that isn't Foden and, and Haaland. Jack Grealish mm. is there at the same price as Foden. Just, he's more nailed probably for minutes, but we saw the attacking returns be so inconsistent last year. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, all all very good points and all points I do agree on, but I'd like to sort of uh, extend upon that because I think the John Stone's role is not as attacking as people might seem to be, but this is regarding the you know, Man City Atletico game I, I was able to go to this weekend. So I, I'd like to talk to that, talk to you about that real briefly and then see sort of what you think about this. Um, but before I get there, uh, so Man City came into town. They came into uh, Seoul over the weekend, and this is a picture of KDB at a club. And I just wanted to share this as a light thing because uh, City arrived at around 7 or 8 p.m. And the in the a.m. of that night, they went out and apparently KDB spent about 20K on champagne and bottles to hang out with all the, the Korean fans out there. So I thought this was very funny and wanted to share it. Um, I was able to go to the sort of training match between Atletico and Man City and, you know, really got to see how good these guys are when they're just messing about. And, you know, Foden is one of those players that loves to train, loves to have the ball at his feet. He was juggling nonstop. Ake was right in front of me. I think he's quite serious of an injury because he had a bunch of trainers sort of like massaging his uh, thighs. Um, and then, you know, I did I did see Cancelo, but he was like a very isolated figure from the team. So I'm very interested to see how this Cancelo thing plays out. And then on the Sunday, I had, this is a picture I took on my iPhone, and uh, this is how close I was to the sort of the attacking side in the first half. Um, it was an amazing game. And here are some here's some thoughts I had from this game, right? It was a very high level football pre-match, right? Both teams fielded a very strong team in the first half. My key takeaway from this was that I thought Pep brought, a, brought out a new formation, a formation that fielded both Alvarez and Holland. And as you mentioned, I don't think talking too much about Alvarez is any good at this point in time until we see him really get into the starting 11 and continue to start. And I, I do, but I do think it was a good test an experimental test to see if this formation would work out. Basically, we saw Grealish tug to the left, Holland top and stationary, Alvarez sort of move around, uh, shadow striker, Foden started wide, but eventually pulled central. A lot of people are talking about how Foden played central from the start, but he actually, I think the first 15, 20 minutes he was playing out wide, 
almost like a decoy to the Atletico wingbacks as to make them feel comfortable with Foden being on the right. And then, you know, he moved into the central area and sort of played a, you know, three-man midfield from the mid, uh, from the mid, right? I think the key takeaway from this was if they were to play this game, Stones only moved up to play attacking one in one play, and the rest of the time he was in a three-back. And you saw Walker play up top on the right much more. But Foden in the central area right behind Holland is such a deadly, you know, weapon that yeah. just being at that game, I wanted to have him in my team. I thought he was the one that was creating. They were playing such a low block, like a 5-3-2 low block. And when you play a low block in against Atletico, it's not only is it easy to, it's not easy to, you know, get through that team, right? And you're going to see that in the Premier League a lot where these teams are just going to sit back and you have to try to attack and try to like break through these teams. So... Of all players, it was Foden that was trying to, you know, make stuff happen. And people were trying to pass to Foden, or the, the Man City players were passing to Foden to, you know, create and, and attack and attack. So, I don't know. My eyes are firmly set on Foden. I do think that there's going to be rotation. But if he does play, he is probably my pick out of, you know, the rest after Holland to to do really well in that Man City team. Yeah, I suppose with the rotation is they don't have Europe for the first seven game weeks, I, I want to say, of the season. The only thing is, is they do have that Club World Cup fixture between game weeks one and game weeks two, which is what is causing a little bit of a headache for a lot of us is, is that going to cause a little bit of rotation? The only mm. thing is that fixture they go with straight after the Club World Cup is Newcastle at home. If, you know, Burnley had been that second fixture, Newcastle had been that game week one fixture, then maybe we'd think, okay, game week two, they've got Burnley. Maybe they're going to, you know, Foden might not necessarily be thrown straight into three matches in a week. But Newcastle being, I can't see him not fielding that strong 11 going into game week one. And then game week two, it's Newcastle at home. I think he'll want to put out his strongest 11, which at the moment I think Phil Foden falls into. And then it's a week break into game week three. So I, I'm not worried so much about that fixture in between game week one and game week two because they play Newcastle in game week two so I think Pep will want to go pretty full strength in that one what do you think about that are you worried because they don't actually have that much rotation threat for Foden at the moment if he's going to play out on that right wing yeah I read a funny thing about um, somebody suggesting that uh, Rico Lewis is going to play in that right wing role and convert into a right wing which is absolute you know let's call it BS um, I, I do, so that's why I, I think this is very interesting, this preseason game. I just think that Pep really wants to play Alvarez, right? Because he's such a quality World Cup winner, right? Really, really good player, yeah. but it's very hard to fit him in. He's not a right winger. He's not a, like a fancy type of player. He's almost like a very simple, give me the ball, I'll shoot. I mean, he was like taking pretty aggressive shots here and there. So yeah, I think Foden has a very good chance to have that breakout season. I, I know we always talk about this, um, but yeah, he has very little competition right now, especially on the right and the central, but we say this with caution, uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I suppose the only thing is, and we don't know the, the length of the injury to Kevin De Bruyne, he is with the squad, but he's not really featuring at the moment, is is when he comes back, what it what it does and, and where he fits Alvarez in. And if he does want to keep Alvarez getting minutes at the moment, then, you know, where does he play him compared to where he plays Foden? They don't necessarily compete for places, but if Foden is coming central, then maybe he starts to think about which of the two of them he does he does go with because I suppose they've got the Gundogan hole at the moment, which looks like Bernardo Silva is yeah. going to fill. Mm -hmm. And then they 
I mean, Bernardo Silva could play out on the right. He has played there a little bit before, but it, it does look like he's playing in the midfield at the moment, which then leaves one position in the starting lineup, presuming De Bruyne comes in, for either Alvarez or Foden, which, you know, I love Foden as an asset, but I don't necessarily want him always competing with a with a World Cup winner. But maybe he uses Alvarez consistently as a make way for De Bruyne and Foden after 70 minutes, especially given the extra out of time that we're going to get there's going to be a lot of minutes to have to be played for for some of those assets. So yeah, I agree. Foden is in, and I, unless I see something crazy, and a few people in the chat mentioning, they are the early kickoff in game week one. Mm-hmm. Well, the Friday night game. Of course, we can have the raging debate about whether early team news is beneficial or not to to FPL, and whether they should move the deadline. But we'll leave that for another day. But we might know whether Foden's going to start in game week one. I yeah. mean, I expect yeah. him to, but we we probably should know that going into the deadline. So I, he's in my team at the moment, and I'd be surprised. I do think this is finally Foden's season. Yeah, I think uh, in simple FPL terms, until KDB actually returns to the team, we're quite confident that Foden will get the starts. I do think that Bilbo was really, really good. I mean, his first touch is amazing for the size that he is, and... I, I, I do think he's going to play continuously. So it is Alvarez or Foden uh, if KDB does come in. Yeah. But with that being said, anything can happen, right, with, with Pep. And, uh, you know, if you really want a minute safety type of player, maybe Grealish is the one. You know, I, I do think that Grealish mm-hmm. is pretty locked in that left left spot. I mean, it is his to lose. I, you know, really, really good from the left. So, yeah, maybe. But with that being said, he's not as explosive as, as Foden. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If we know Foden's going to be playing, I think he's much more of an FPL asset and explosive than than yeah. Grealish is. Cool. Okay, let's go on to Chelsea. Yeah, this is why I'm here, isn't it? Yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts first because I have a lot of thinkings about Nkuku as yeah. well as Jackson, and I'd love to get to Nkuku at some point, especially maybe even yeah. game week one. So yeah, spill away. Yeah, so as a as a Chelsea fan, um, for those of you who in the chat don't don't know me, I am a Chelsea fan, and I go and watch. I have a season ticket to watch. Well, I go pretty much to every home game, so I have a reasonable amount of um, understanding of how we play, um, and I do watch them quite a lot. So last season, I've never been dis- as disheartened as a Chelsea fan as I was going into the particularly the whole of the second half of the season. I remember going on like a Wednesday night, and we lost, I think, two 0 at home to Brentford, and I thought we've really gone downhill since last season, <laughs> since watching them win the Champions League. But anyway, yeah, looking at them this season, I wasn't that hopeful going into preseason. I thought we're going to be looking at similar to what we saw last year. Maybe we can get into the top, you know, top half, maybe finish eighth or something, looking at how some of the other teams have performed. But I have to say, I've been really, really impressed with us in preseason. And a lot of clubs like Manchester City, Manchester United, I'm not that fussed about their preseason form because I've seen what they can do last season. But for Chelsea, we're building a new squad. We need to look at them in preseason and start to understand how we're going to line up, exactly how we're going to going to link together. Defensively, you know, it looks like we're going to be playing a back four. At the moment, Rhys James isn't starting, but he should be okay for the start of the season. Ben Chilwell, for me, is the is the pick of the lot. In the in the two centre-backs, I think it's going to be Levi Colwell who's going to be getting the start because he's, he, he favours to play on that left-hand side, which at the moment we don't really have. Defensive midfielders at the moment. Midfielders is our big problem. At the moment, Gallagher might be off. He looks like he might stay at the moment. Um, Enzo is there. We don't have basically any other midfielders who are first-team quality. And then it's our front four, which are pe- which is where people are looking at, right? It, Blahovic has been linked not that, that much over the past couple of days. 
Nkunku looked really good. And I think a lot of Chelsea fans are very pleasantly surprised by the performances of Jackson and someone that the FPL community is starting to talk about. Mudrik is going to start on that left-hand side, I'm pretty sure. Beautiful. And then at yeah. the moment, at the moment on that right-hand side, I think it will be Sterling, but I would not be surprised if it doesn't take long for Madweke to, to take his place. Yeah, I, I mean, the key question is, um, and Kuku and Jackson, uh, do you have a yeah. preference of where to go? Uh, because I, 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 would, I would like to bounce my ideas off you after you say yeah, I, I'm pretty hot on Nkunku being nice, worth the 0.5 nice. over Jackson for a couple of reasons. First of all, again, we've mentioned it with the like 90 minutes, the added time that we're going to see um, over the you know this season, there being more added time. I feel like Nkunku is much more likely to play 90 minutes and the added time than, than Jackson is. Plus, Nkunku can play lots of positions. He's not mm. set. Actually, he doesn't look like he's going to be playing up front. He looks like he's going to be playing in the 10. Right, yeah. But he can play yeah. out wide if, you know, if Mudrik comes off and Kunku can go out wide. If Jackson comes off, he can actually go up front. Like we saw with Rashford last year, he might not start up front, but he might finish the game there against a tired defence, which is not necessarily a bad thing at all. We are linked with some strikers. Brozier's not that far away from being fit as well, which I think will compete with Jackson. I think Jackson's a great pick and I think at the start of the season and actually we don't have any Europe this season so I think Jackson will get a lot of minutes but I also think Nkunku will be on penalties as well which is probably the deciding factor that I think he's worth the 0.5 I just know the minutes he's going to get I know his involvement's going to be good as well he's looked like in every game we played in preseason as one of our best players so I'm pretty hot that I think he's worth the 0.5 more yeah yeah I agree I think, you know, if, if you look at the past few seasons for your Chelsea team, Harry, um, you know, you've been really struggling to find a, a number nine, basically, right? You've had the, yep. you've had too many wingers. You've had Mudrich, Sterling, Pulisic, Ziyech, you know, to start to yep. name a few. And then who do you have up top? You have Havertz up top, right? As good as Havertz ah. is on the ball, he's not good at post of play, right? So you basically yep. had no number nine striker that could really, you know, physically post up against the defense and link up really yeah. well with the the wingers because you had times where Sterling was back against the defense, which is crazy for you know how small of a guy yeah. he is, right? Lukaku was supposed to be that. He ended up not being that. And in comes Nicholas Jackson. And I've been doing a little bit of, you know, a lot of sort of video, uh, you know, highlight video watching of Nicholas Jackson, especially last season yeah. at Bill Over Hill. And in the small, small, small data sample size we've had in the preseason, he gives me a lot yeah. of excitement. But mm -hmm. he gives me excitement for Nkuku, not Jackson himself. I think Jackson's going to do great. Um, but at Villarreal, Villa Jackson did a very good job of understanding the movements of the wingers around him and basically, you know, helping with the flow of the attack, if you know what I mean. It's easy to say, yeah. oh, he's a good post-up uh, striker that does you know, one, two link ups really well, but it's actually yeah. really hard to do in, in the speed that they're playing at, right? So very intelligent number nine, first of all. And if you look at this heat map, you can just see how, this is a striker. This is how much of the field he covers and, you know, how 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 much, you know, support he gives. There's, there's goals where Villarreal scored where he pretty much created it on the counter from his half and not the opponent's half. Um, so he's very aware of everyone everyone, and everything that's going around him, which is really nice to see. On top of that, he's got a lot of speed as well. So he can switch with Sterling, he can switch with Mudrik and sort of you know wreck havoc against the defense and confusion against the defense as well. I think Pochettino has a mini Kane, sort of, if you know what I mean. And um, if you think about Kane, 
he really helped Sonny develop and Deli Ali develop with the players around him by, you know, being a very good postal player. With that being said, I think this makes Nkuku a better asset than Jackson and worth it for the 0.5 for the reasons you've mentioned in terms of, you know, penalties, minutes, and this and that. But essentially, Nkuku's going to be the guy that runs off of him, receives the ball, and probably going to have more opportunities to finish. On top, and he's, you know, locked as a starter no matter what, right? So when they signed Nkuku, when you guys signed Nkuku a month or two months ago, I still thought that was a problem because he's better than Havertz at post-up play, but he's not as essentially the number nine that you need. With Werner, they played a two-top, but they're sort of a similar type of player. Uh, and he actually performed better with the likes of Andre Silva and Poulsen at, um, at Leipzig, right? So with Max, uh, Jackson and the team, he sort of becomes the player that Nkuku really needed. And I think Jackson's XA last season wasn't that great, but might go up this year. But I do think uh, that with the amount of talent he has around him, especially in Kuku, Mudrich, and Sterling, all of them are going to play well. I think that attack in Chelsea, I know you might be not as up because you are a Chelsea fan. I'm very excited for the Chelsea attack. Um, they do yeah. still need to sort out your defense and stuff, but I'm very excited about Nkuku, and I, I, I foresee myself having him very soon uh, if he gets the ground running. Yeah, I agree. I'm finding it difficult to actually start the season with him, but I, um, yeah, I'm doing my best to find a way to get to him because our fixtures from game week two onwards look really nice. And then we get to the point where there's going to be Champions League for a lot of the other teams and for players like Phil Foden and some of the Arsenal assets, you might start to consider their minutes a little bit more. And I'm sure we'll discuss that when we get closer. But yeah, I, I think we've stumbled upon not meaning to. Like I, I think when Chelsea exactly. signed Jackson, yeah. he he wasn't signed to be our number nine going into this season and play 30 plus games but I think we've stumbled upon it and I think he's impressed enough in pre-season that I'd be wouldn't be surprised if he plays 30 plus games this season again I, I can't emphasize enough it might not be that important for game week one but I do feel like Chelsea are this season's arsenal that a lot of the assets feel underpriced there's not exactly. a big threat of European rotation because, you know, Arsenal played in the Europa last year where they wrote, they played a B team in a lot of the games. And then, you know, Chelsea don't have it at all this season. So, yes, it doesn't start in game week one, but you don't want to be buying loads of players that you have to sell for, for game week, you know, game week six, seven when it starts. So, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of good assets in there. If Mudrik can, you know, start to find a little bit of form as well, but I don't feel like he's worth, you know, I think Jackson is worth 0.5 million more than our midfielders. And I think Nkunku is definitely worth point, you know, a million more than him. So it feels like strikers are the way to go at the moment with Chelsea. Yeah, I like how you mentioned that uh, you stumbled upon him because you, had, you guys actually bought him for a very reasonable, cheap, even cheap price. And in the market of strikers today, to get a 30 plus, 20 plus goal storing striker, yeah. it's really, really expensive. I mean... United are about to pay 70-something million for Hoiberg, I believe. And, uh, you know, oh, that's, yeah, exactly. It's hard to actually get a a striker for that price yeah. for that's performing. So I think Nkuku, uh, Jackson is a great buy for you guys. Um, there's a good question here by Ali. Does Nkuku still perform without Jackson? I would suggest go look at the Nkuku game versus Real Madrid in the Champions League group stages and yes he will perform no matter what he, he's such an exciting talent maybe not as well as what we what yeah. i mentioned with uh jackson but i'm very excited to see how he does alone as well yeah yeah I, the most recent preseason game against fulham um 
he definitely wasn't as good because Jackson didn't start that game. I definitely don't think we were as good going forward. Um, he, Nkunku still could have got an assist early on. He could have scored himself. So I think, you know, he'll be he'll be a great asset whether Jackson is on the pitch or not. But I think he'll be better with Jackson there. But I, I have no real reason to think that Jackson won't won't be there. Like, I, I don't think we're going to get to game week one and suddenly it's, I don't know, I like, I don't even know who it would be that would play there. So I think Jackson is going to be there. And if Jackson's not on the pitch, I'm pretty certain Nkunku's going to be playing up front as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I think he might be slightly worse without him on the in the in the starting lineup, but generally I think he'll be a good asset this season. Yeah, yeah. I think we can move on. I, I just did uh prepare something real quickly and this is what I mean by this post up play and link up play. Uh this is in the red circle you can see Mudrich and in the blue circle I'm I'm Harry, if you remember this goal from preseason, you can see Jackson with the purple circle. So Mudrich patches passes to Jackson. Jackson lays it off to Mudrich, makes a turn around, uh, and then again, link up, link up, link up, and then goal. So it's just uh, the type of player that he is and the type of player Chelsea really have been craving for. So uh, that, that is the, the end point I want to make about Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. The only other thing to cover very quickly is the defensive side of it. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Particularly, I think people are understanding Chilwell versus Reese James. I'm pretty confident that I'd prefer Chilwell for game week one. Part of it is because Reese James is, they've both suffered bad injuries, but Chilwell tends to be more like he gets, you know, he, he broke his leg, he's going to be out for a couple of, you know, months. Whereas Reese James is going to infuriate managers because we might get weeks where he's got a slight niggle in training. Like he missed the start of our preseason because he had another niggle, right? I think when they're on the pitch at the same time, they're as good an asset, but I think the type of injuries that they get, means I'd rather start with Ben Chilwell. Plus, Chilwell took corners on both sides in our most recent friendly. Now, Reese James wasn't on the pitch, so maybe Reese James will take some, but pretty much every other main starting player was on the pitch, and he got an assist from them. So I have no doubt that I think Chilwell at least take them from one side going into the start of the season as well. And I do think it will be Levi Colwell and Thiago Silva as our starting centre-back pair, and I'm very excited by Levi Colwell and what his season could look like as well. Yeah, I mean, some a lot of points to touch there, actually. Um, the people are considering a, a Chilwell and Cole double up in the defense. Is this something you've ever considered a viable strategy? One of my drafts actually had it. I don't think I'll end up doing it, but I, I, I try to look at them as separate assets because I still think Chilwell from game week two or three is one of the best defenders at that 5.5 million price bracket. Mm -hmm. And if Cole Will's going to start, I think he's one of, if not the best, 4.5 million options. So if you are having a 4.5 and a 5.5, there's no reason to go without them, especially if you don't have to start Colwell every week. Plus with the fixtures, if you ever need that player off your bench and Levi Colwell starting, the Chelsea fixtures for the first 10 or so are really nice. The chances are he's got a good fixture sat first on your bench. So if he's a first sub option, maybe I don't want to start them every week. But if he's one to fall back on, then, then I, don't, I don't hate it. Yeah, it's a good point because the you know spoiler alert you have Chilwell on the bench I don't have Chilwell on the bench, yeah. uh, and for example a lot of us are going to want him from game week three, and for, for say for example he does really well in game week one and two and rises up in price how am I going to get to him, uh, without downgrading I can't downgrade from any other defender because we likely have Estupinan and Gabriel and Stones who are all sure. the same price right so unless you have TA yeah. you can't uh, bring it down. Uh, so that's something I've been considering as well. I want Chilwell in my team by game week three, three no matter what. Uh, but with that being said, there's also a lot of players I want by game week three. So 
little things to consider. Maybe having money in the bank is actually a viable strategy as well. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Let's get to United. What's next. Yeah. What are the questions we have for United? What do we expect from Rashford Bruno? Uh, and then the whole Nana versus Shaw. I think we can leave it at those two questions. So uh, why don't you begin? Yeah, so I'll, I'll cover the defensive side of it. Um, interestingly, in, in preseason, Shaw's positioning hasn't been quite as advanced as maybe we've seen in the past couple of seasons. Still likely to keep some set pieces for, um, you know, compared to what the ones that Bruno are going to take. Onana, people are very hot on the fact that he's going to make a lot of, you know, saves, make a lot of passes, so he's going to be very good for bonus points, which is part of the reason why people are making that switch. Plus, it saves the 0.5 million. Now, the more I look at the Manchester United fixtures, the more I'm not certain on the clean sheets for them, which is why I start to lean towards the goalkeeper more. Because if a, a player's not going to keep a clean sheet, the goalkeeper tends to be the better asset because they still make the saves and still boost their points up there. I, I'm probably favouring Onana at the moment. Spoiler, my latest draft doesn't actually have either of them in it. I was interested by the positioning of Wan-Bissaka and Diego Dallo in their most recent friendlies as well. Yeah, Wan-Bissaka... Dallo had a great game, but the mm. game before that, Wambasaka had a great game, which is why we won't own them for game week one, because we don't know which of them is going to start, which is a real shame because of their prices, they could be great options and alternatives for us. So at the moment, I do think I'm favouring Onana if I need to pick one, just because I don't see loads of clean sheets for them, which means I tend to favour the goalkeeper in those situations. Plus 5.5 million for sure versus some of the other 5.5s versus 5s. There's so many good defenders, whereas I'm not that sold on all the keepers at the moment again. So Anana fits that keeper role a lot better for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of Onana, I'm, I'm actually very excited by the signing. Um, this is a graph by The Athletic about, you know, De Gea being one of the best shot stoppers in the Premier League. And we all know this, right? We all know that he's a great shot stopper. But this next, next graph shows, you know, lowest in cross engagement across the Premier League. It's not a very important FPL stat, but it just goes to show that he doesn't come out of his, I think it's six yard box, five yard box. Oh man, my footballing, uh, uh, not the 18 yard of the smaller box. He doesn't come out of his own box quite often. That was uh, quite embarrassing, but uh, yeah, Onana is a very different type of keeper if you guys don't know already. This is a chart of Onana's sort of passing versus De Gea on the left. You can see De Gea passes out to, you know, the defender or the center backs, whereas Onana is willing to make these, you know, looping passes and, and over the defense passes um, in order to get it out to the teammates, which is exactly what Ten Hag wants, right? Ten Hag's philosophy is simple. Push the back line, pressure on all fronts, continue to switch up play, win the ball and try to dominate the game. Very fun story about Onana, Harry, is that in the World Cup, I think he was playing for Cameroon, uh, he broke the World Cup record for the most amount of touches for a keeper outside the 18-yard box uh, in a single game. And then he kind of had a falling out with the coach and left the World Cup during it because he was coming outside the box too much. So there's a little bit of red flags here. I know he had a falling out with Ten Hag as well at Ajax. So, you know, maybe there's uh, some issues. We saw, we saw him with Maguire. I know you're laughing. I know it's not a big deal, but... <laughs> Uh, he had some issues with Maguire as well, so interesting character to say the least. Um, but it's important that uh, Ten Hag gets Onana because when essentially when they were playing with De Gea, they were playing with one man down in the build-up, whereas with Onana you have an extra player up, up up on the pitch and 
you're going to press higher, you're going to press higher. It's going to allow for uh, less pressure for Rashford and Bruno to have more freedom to attack, which is why I'm quite excited to see how Bruno and Rashford do, does with uh, Onana in the team. It's crazy to think that a keeper can make a difference like this. You add Mount in, into this as well, exactly the type of player that Ten Hag has been craving. Uh, and then with Hoiberg coming in, I, I do think that there's it's an exciting time for Manchester United fans. But with the fixtures in simple FPL terms, with the fixtures and what we've been seeing in the preseason, I think uh, for me, Bruno and Rashford are sort of no-brainer picks going into the first game week. Yeah, so so you say that Bruno and Rashford are, are no-brainer picks. Do you think that both of them is, is the way to go? I, I have both of them in my most recent draft, but I've jumped between both one Rashford is the one that I'm most certain is the first pick out of the two um even with Hoyland coming in the positioning of him being on the left I still like him enough going forward I don't think Hoyland's going to play every minute plus mm -hmm. when he goes off you know at the end it'll likely be Rashford that goes back up front like we saw at the end of games last season so I still like him it does look like Mount is playing that sort of run-around role that Ericsson played last season, and it does allow Fernandes to get forward. But I still feel that, you know, the player that we saw at Chelsea for Mount, he, he likes to get forward, and there will be points during games that Mount gets forward and Bruno will have to consider his positioning a little bit more than maybe when he had Ericsson and Casemiro, who were just happy both to sit behind him. So I do see Bruno as a second-rate pick to Rashford. I do think Rashford's worth the point five. The only thing that puts me off him is that Rashford is a very form player, right? And we saw it last season that when he gets in the mojo, when he gets in that right feeling, he's he tends to, you know, get a nice run of goals behind him. And he hasn't had that so far in preseason. His preseason form is not being that great. And if we are thinking that he's a very sort of hot, cold type of player, it does worry me a little bit going into the start of the season with, with both of them in my team. But at the moment, I have both. I'm not certain I'll start with them, though. Very interesting. I think you're overthinking it, Harry. I think that it's really hard to actually pick out who's going to do better uh, because you may, you already named the reasons why Rashford's going to do well. But I could also easily argue for Bruno. Um, I think Bruno can do as well, too. So I don't know. I, I think you can always move off him as well, right? You could get to the likes of yeah. Sun in game week three and you can get to the likes of anybody below 8.5. So, um, yeah, unless you have a better option to start with, maybe and i know why you're suggesting not to get to uh to bruno because i've seen the the chill on your team <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um tom hall asks what do you expect from hoyland hoyland how do you pronounce it hoyland hoyland yeah 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 i think uh if uh -huh. under seven yeah their pricing is going to be interesting for him he's not one to start the season with because no. again he's not even signed yet and we're nine days away from the start of the season so i can't see him starting that first game i know manchester united the monday night fixture but he's not one to start the season with at the moment i do think he i mean yeah i don't even know how long it will take him to be a starter and if ten Hag doesn't love him as a starter it's not impossible that he goes with you know rashford up there i i think his pricing is really difficult for fpl because if he does come in too expensive and he doesn't get the minutes then he's you know, a not good asset at all for anyone. Because if they price him too cheap and then he suddenly does get the minutes, then everyone's going to own him. So I find him quite a difficult one to price. I'm not going to go anywhere near him for the start of the season because I, I just don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. But 
um, again, I, I did a little, I don't know about Hoiberg until I did, you know, heard about him coming and did some research the past few days. And my Hoyland. Key, Hoy, Hoyland, Hoyland, my key takeaway from it is that I think he's going to make Rashford better, right? Uh, he's yeah. like 191 centimeters, so super tall player, but very weak on the headers and physically as well. So he's not like a Weghorst type of player. He's more of a sort of like a agility tall player that's got like that Holland sprint as well. So I, yeah. I think with him uh, at, at Atlanta, I think he was playing alongside Zapata from the, the highlights I've watched. And he works really yeah. well with a player like Rashford. Um, I have a very cool chart about uh, Hoiberg, Hoyland, Hoyland, Hoiberg plays with Spurs. Hoyland, uh, because he has very high XG from inside the box, so he's all he's just a box threat type of player, and you kind of need that with Rashford because we know Rashford plays better from the left than him playing up top. So I'm excited to see this partnership, but. I wouldn't go near him as an FPL option until you see him, you know, starting to convert goals and, and get yeah. regular minutes. Yeah. Cool. Liverpool? Liverpool, yep. Do you, so, yeah, Liverpool, the questions we've really Top got is, yeah. is is Trent and what position he's going to play. It looks like he's gone to back to right back in the most recent friendly, and then it's predicting the front three of what we're going to get. Do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, the questions were about predicting the front three and Trent, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think from FPL terms, I am actually going to stay away from Trent as well as uh, as well as uh, Salah uh, for now. Because in FPL terms, you can spread the money with Salah, with, especially with the tough fixtures you have. Here's my takeaway with Liverpool. Um, instead of focusing so much on, like, is Trent going to do well? Is Salah going to do well? We have to see like what they've been doing this summer, right? Incoming, we have McAllister and Sobosly. And then outgoing, we've got Keita, Milner, Chamberlain, Carvalho, Firmino, a bunch of players. And then the shocking ones were Henderson. And I think that Firmino, or not Firmino, Fabinho is most likely to leave. This is a big yeah. shift in what Liverpool's identity has been for the past few seasons, right? And big shift because Henderson and Fabinho are very key players. And I think Fabinho leaving is actually more critical than Henderson because there's no place like for like a place player that can replace Fabinho right now in the team. And you couple that with the tough fixtures, I would like to wait and watch and see what happens. Uh, we talk about uh, Trent playing in this inverted role, but who's his, who's he playing alongside with? You know, he's playing alongside Thiago right now. And it's not like Thiago is a great defensive midfielder to support Trent uh, going up. So there's just a lot of unknowns and concerns I have in this sort of 3-2-4-1 they're going to play. Uh, plus, you know, it's hard to predict who's going to start up top. Jota's been great. Diaz has been great in, in the preseason. Darwin's on fire. You know, we've got Salah. You've got, um, you know, a lot of players competing for two spots. So uh, that's my takeaway on, on Liverpool. Yeah. yeah, so Fabinho has gone and they're linked with Lavia at the oh, moment, which yeah. is... Yeah, which is interesting because they they need a six before I want to invest in them defensively. Because if they don't sign a six exactly. and, yeah, yeah. and Trent plays in the six, which he has done in preseason, apart from the most recent game where he went back to right back, if Trent plays in the six because they don't sign one, it makes them worse defensively. So the clean sheets, I think, will be worse because Trent's not a six. And Trent's a worse asset because he's not great going forward from that position. So as soon as Trent 
you know, if we go into the season where they, they don't have a, you know, an, a, a defensive midfielder, I don't want to own Trent. I think, you know, my stance on that is, is pretty clear. If he goes back to right back, he suddenly becomes a good asset again because either he plays that inverted role, which is what the graphic has at the moment with Fabinho in there, but it will likely be, you know, Lavia if they sign him. And if he plays in that, you know, role, he becomes really good again. And we saw him at the end of last season be really good. So I want to see Trent's positioning. If he's a right back, then I feel like I've got to make a decision on maybe how I get him in. The front three is really difficult because Darwin and Jota have actually been the two in preseason that have impressed the most. Off the form at the end of last season, we would have thought probably Gakpo and as this graphic has Diaz being the two that start. But it looks like Jota and Diaz, Jota and Darwin are the two that are going to probably start the season. But it does feel like Jota, Darwin off, Gakpo, Diaz on at <laughs> 70 minutes every game yeah, yeah. Is, is what is what we're going to see. So you know, if you don't get the one that starts, you're still probably going to get half an hour out of them. The thing is with Liverpool is it's all well and good going without them until we look at our teams in game week two and they have Bournemouth at home and you don't own any of them. And suddenly we think that's difficult. And the captaincy for me is pretty straightforward on Haaland. Apart from game week two where he has Newcastle at home and then Salah, of course, would have Bournemouth at home. I don't think I'm going to start with Salah, but I'm interested. If one of those yeah. front three look like they're nailed, and I can go into the season knowing that Darwin or Jot is going to play, they're such good assets at their price. They are, but yeah. I just, I just don't, I just can't answer that question at the moment. I think the game week two is a little bit overplayed because I don't think it's going to damage you for not having them if they do haul. But if you do have them, it's a good sort of, you know, jump boost mm -hmm. to the start start of the season. So I wouldn't think too heavily upon it. Again. This is a game that's a marathon, not a sprint. I've learned this the past couple of seasons I've been playing. Uh, you know, you could have a 30K rank all the way to the end and then, you know, drop 30K um, in the last game week. So you don't really need to go point chasing right now. But again, I, I do see the counter argument to this of why you would want to have Salah and TAA in the game week two Portmouth fixture. The simple summary here for me is that the attack is very solid. The issue is in FPL terms, who do you pick? The midfield, there's been too many changes, and there's no Lafia might be coming in, but they're going to need time to adjust that midfield. It's all new players, right? And then on the defense, they need to change, but they're not making any changes, right? You cannot continue to play with, I'm sorry, Liverpool fans, Konate and, and um, you know, uh, Matip, and you kind of need those changes to come in. So uh, I think the defense is a little bit of a worry for me in terms of Liverpool keeping clean sheets, especially with the fixtures. Mm. Yeah, and my only other concern with, with Trent is is that he might fit in a right-back in the more difficult games, but it's not impossible that when they have a Bournemouth at home fixture and they expect to have a lot of the ball, that he actually goes into the six because mm -hmm. they don't necessarily need a Fabinho, a Lavia in, in a game like that when they expect to have a lot of the ball. Trent will give them that control in that position, which will make him a worse asset. So if they go in for someone and they sign someone like Lavia, then then I will go back looking at Trent. I I don't see myself paying 12 and a half million for Salah in game week one given the fact that I will not captain him for one of the first six weeks and it's the same reason that I don't have Harry Kane in my team especially that you know Bruno Fernandes is three no four million cheaper than exactly. Salah just that yeah. that four million is worth the points difference I think yeah for sure I mean you could spread it upon three players you could spread it upon one player you could get a you know three 8.5 million players so it's just I think worth the spread instead of focusing yeah. on on Salah, especially coming off a difficult campaign last year. I agree. I agree. Okay. Let's get to our bus teams. 
Yeah. Again, guys, um, we will continue, you know, doing another pod before the um, season starts next game week. We're going to be talk talking about other teams that we haven't touched on today, as well as some fringe players, fringe teams as well. You know, if you have received value from the content we work to share today and week in and week out, hopefully, it would be a great deal for us uh, if you could like the video as well as subscribe to Fantasy Football Scout, who have, uh, you know, given us a platform to do this uh, pod. So really appreciate everybody viewing in today. Uh, really means a lot to us and excited for what me and Harry have to uh, offer this season. Hopefully we yeah. continue uh, continue to do interesting content for you guys. Um, with that being said, we have Harry's team. I'm sure a lot of people have already seen it in your YouTube channel. I've already seen a couple of uh, draft changes for you, Harry, but uh, talk to me about what you have here. Yeah, thank you to everyone. First episode of me, and there's almost 500 people of you watching. So I hope I'm living up to Praz's high expectations. Um, I'm not going to try and fill Praz's shoes because we're going to do our show how we how we want to this year and make a make a couple of tweaks to hopefully make it as engaging for for you all as possible. But here is my draft. So I've currently got uh, Flecken and their backup at the moment because I've not been impressed by Flecken at all uh, in preseason. Um, so I, it's not impossible. He got subbed after 65 minutes in their most recent preseason friendly. And the person whose name on the bench I cannot pronounce, so I'm not going to attempt to, came on in this place. So I've got them both. I don't plan on tripling up on Brentford, so I'm happy with that. Their opening fixtures are really nice. It's the same reason we're owning in Buemo. So for podcast listeners, my draft at the moment is Flecken, Stones, Gabriela, Stupanan, Saka, Rashford, Foden, Mbwemo, Fernandez, Haaland, Jesus, Brentford's backup 4.0 on the bench with Chiwell, Ubama, and Cabore as my subs. I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I, I want a Chelsea asset in my team for game week one to sit on my bench. I might end up starting them, but I yeah, I'm pretty certain that when game week three comes around, I might want more than one. Mm. And if I start with none of them. That's my first two transfers gone straight away on trying to buy Chelsea assets in my team. It made a very, very easy decision when I saw Trent playing in the six to drop him. And he went down to Stones and my one of my 4.5 defenders went up to Chilwell. And that, you know, made life a lot easier for me and it yeah, gave me yeah. the route to, to Chilwell. The only other way potentially is, is do I start with an Nkunku in my team? If, if Liverpool are not defending that way, they, you know, they could do... They could do, you know, they could do well in game week one. I'm not set on starting with them. A couple of people in the chat. The only thing that really stands out to me is the lack of Brighton attack in this in this draft. But I do think Mbwemo is a better option than Matoma. Is is where is my stance wow. on it? So, yeah. yeah. Strong words there. Why? Yeah. No, I'm. Uh, I, yeah. Why? Why do you think that? Yeah. So, it's partly down to. So I've I've watched preseason a little bit. Matoma looks great. But I don't know why I feel like he's starting to become a little bit predictable. Now, I, I Mbwemo, it. It, mm -hmm. now, he looks great, but towards the end of last season, he had the underlying data, but he just wasn't capitalizing on chances. Mbwemo is on a lot of set pieces. He's on a lot of corners <laughs> and, he's on penalty, and he's on penalties as well, right? The routes to points for him is so good. Plus, with yeah. him, if I go Matoma, I know the fixtures are going to turn after the first few weeks. I know... Game week four will come around and I might be looking to sell him. And actually, I don't think they're that bad that people need to think I have to sell them. I think they're okay. You know, I think that one of them's Newcastle at home, which is fine. You can start Matoma in that. But Mbwemo pretty much has good fixtures for the first eight weeks. And I'm pretty happy with what he's going to do and how many minutes he's going to get that I can just leave him in there. And it's a lot about 
I don't want to put my team in a position that I know I'm going to have to make transfers in the first three weeks. And that's why, you know, Chilwell's in there already. I don't want to have to have to use a transfer early on to buy him. Why I'm Buemo's in here because I know that I'm happy with him as well. So I, I like to pick a team that I don't think I'm going to have to book a transfer in in the first few weeks. But yeah, I could find a way to get a Brighton asset, particularly Matoma in or Jao Pedro if we know he's going to start the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now uh, because I think you starting without more than one Brighton asset kind of puts a red flag in, in my point of view. Uh, but I, you make a very good point about that. If you if you really think you're going to transfer him eventually, uh, there's going to be other transfers that you need to take care of. Last season was very unique in, in the sense that first eight or nine game weeks, a lot of managers weren't, weren't making that many transfers, but I can already foresee myself having to make some transfers here and there in gaming two and three. So I guess strategically speaking, it's not a bad idea, but uh, I don't know, man. Matoma could be a yeah. dangerous EO game there. Yeah. But I suppose if you're, if you're going to make that transfer and you know you're going to make it, the chances are it's going to end up being, you know, a minus four. Whether that minus four is that transfer or another transfer, it's an extra transfer that you have to make compared to if you start with a different midfielder. And if you're going to do that, then he's got to basically score. Or Because if I think Mbwemo is going to get two attacking returns in the first three weeks, for Mitoma to be worth it, he's got to get a minimum of three attacking returns in the first three game weeks, which granted, given their fixtures, it's possible that he can. But that's to just break even. So if you're going to do the transfer after three weeks, then he's got to start really, really well, which is part of the reason I'm not set on starting with a Stupanan either. <laughs> but I'll leave my Brighton bashing until next time when we talk about them in a bit more detail, I think. Yeah, we should have As on next week just to talk to you about yeah. Brighton. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, quick question. What you know? What makes you go with the two Brentford keepers in Flecken and Shokosha? I, I love a 4.5 keeper. I just don't think 5 million plus keepers are, are worth it. And people will say Anana, Ramsdale... I, I don't think Ramsdale is worth it. If David Raya goes there, I don't think David Raya is worth it. The opening fixtures for Brentford for the first 10 until I wildcard are some of the best that there are, which is why... And then I have the two because I have the backup as to my number one. So I just... I'm not certain that the 0.5 I invest on Onana over the Brentford keepers is worth it, given the opening fixtures. The money invested elsewhere in the team, the 0.5 is much more useful elsewhere, I think, than in goal. Yeah, yeah, fair. Okay. Let's look at yours. Yeah, so nothing special here. Very template. Um, template for good reason, I believe. I've got, for the podcast listeners, I've got Onana in goal. Stones, Gabriel, Estupinan, three back, five in the midfield, Rashford, Saka, Foden, Mitoma, Bruno Fernandes, Holland, and Gabriel Jesus up top. And as my first defensive player, I've got Udogi and 0.5 in the bank. So I am trying to maintain my stance on trying to keep 0.5 in the bank for the reasons I've mentioned previously. I just do think it comes in handy and I've also kind of reflected on myself, Harry, as a very bad value-chasing FPL manager. Like, I'm just not good at that, right? And I've tried it. I tried to be good at that last season, and it, I don't know why. I, maybe it's like you naturally have to start off with a good team in order for your value to, you know, naturally rise up, or you have to be 
like up at all hours trying to figure out who's going to rise in price and, and make the switches. And maybe I'm just not aggressive enough to make early transfers. So I've come to sort of the, the understanding that having 0.5 might be very helpful uh, in the first few, uh, few game weeks. The Udogi one is very interesting. I do think I'm taking a bet here on a 4.5 yeah. locked. Uh, I do think he's locked in the left back role um, with Sun. So that's my do kind you? of. I do think so. I do think I think Perisic is not going to start over Udogi, but I could easily see myself starting with Chilwell somehow uh, by downgrading 0.5 somewhere else and and having him as locked because we also talked about how desirable Chelsea assets will be in game week three. So that's kind of where I'm at with this team. Mm. Uh, I would love to have Son in. Um, I, do think, I do think I can wait on him by game week three or four uh, or whenever I have a chance to fit him in and I feel like uh, he's doing well. I, I was talking to Hibbo about this. Shout out Hibbo. Um, he thinks that Son is a lock for him once if Kane leaves. And Richarlison also becomes a very key you know, player in our teams if if can leave so uh, spurs are someone i'm keeping a keen eye on as well yeah yeah i you know i'm not as bullish on um son as you are and i'm sure we will <laughs> disagree and agree with with son throughout the season my only concerns with odoggies mm. was there was press conference quotes about ben davies so far in preseason about how he can do a role for spurs at left back. Now, there aren't any centre backs at the moment, so he is playing there, but that was just my concern that he, yeah, we'd end up seeing Ben Davies go at left back, and it just seemed like a bit of a risk to start the season. I, I really like the Brentford fixtures. The goalkeeping mishaps is a bit of a concern, but yeah, I would prefer like Rico Henry in there, I think. But generally, the team's pretty nice. I agree. If Richarlison's going to start, like, I w I'll probably sell Bruno Fernandes straight away, and I will go Bruno Fernandes to Richarlison. It free ups 1.5 million, which is almost enough for me to go and get Trent back in my team as well. So I kind of hope Harry Kane goes. I think it will shake things up a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to proceed with caution about Kane, but I do think he's going to leave. And um, I think the Bayern yeah. exec, uh, chairman was in, in London just, just now. So yeah, looks like it's happening again, which is why we should proceed with caution in terms of Spurs assets as well, because... There are new coach, new system. Kane leaving is going to be a huge change. Um, we kind of have to wait and see. So we'll save that talk for next week. Um, shall we end it here or yeah. do a couple of questions, Harry? If there are a couple of easy questions to, to answer, then, then we've, can. we've we've hit it right on the hour mark to that <laughs> point. So there's nothing like a first episode going over a little bit. Let's, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the questions we've, we've answered... Um, a little bit things like Aston Villa will cover Brighton will cover cover next time so looking at the chat I feel like we've we've covered most things and the 6.5 million mids I feel like we will cover yeah. in detail next week as well so there's not too much about Chelsea Liverpool City um, and United that we need to cover so we can probably end it there yeah great 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 guys again uh, if you could like subscribe to FF Scout um, share um, you know we do have discounts on the FS Scout website as well. Uh, great community forums there. Uh, you can always reach out to myself and Harry on Twitter as well as DMs. Um, it's really nice to have people to talk to about FPL. So I hope you guys are you know, making a lot of friends through FPL as well. Harry, yeah. it's been a pleasure. First episode. I was quite nervous, actually. Um, 
not gonna lie <laughs> but it's good oh, to what have did it you think i was gonna say no no i was nervous for myself because i've been off this summer and and kind of yeah you have to like potting is tough you you have to find a rhythm i i believe so hopefully we our chemistry grows and um i think it was a fun episode and yeah i i feel like i can learn a lot from you as well so i'm excited yeah Yeah, I'm looking forward to the new season. It's yeah, great to get started. I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year. Okay, guys, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back next Monday. Um, and by the way, burning questions will be on Mondays from now on and not Wednesdays. So uh, FYI, um, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.